Socially Good Media presents The Socially Good Podcast. I'm John Gilbert, who along with members of the team from the award-winning social marketing agency Eskimo Soup, will be shining a light on the latest and the greatest in media communications. Welcome along to the Socially Good Podcast. I'm John Gilbert and my guests today are Hayley Jackson, who's the Director of Business Development and Space to be Heard, and Laura Stead, who's the Managing Director there. So welcome along. Hi. So we're going to be talking a lot of different topics today, but let's let's kick things off because we're going to be talking about therapy, which is at the heart of what you do. Now on the Socially Good Podcast, we talk about all different forms of communication and how that can be achieved, uh, can be utilised to achieve social good. So why has therapy got an important role to play within that? Okay, so if we're thinking about therapy and and how therapy would impact on the individual and thinking about individuals being part of a community, whatever that looks like for them, therapy can do many things for an individual and I guess it depends on the reason for a person accessing the therapy in the first place and it depends what's going on for them at that time. So it might be that somebody's experiencing some struggle with the mental health so that classically might look like an anxiety or depression or something like OCD, social anxiety. There's a whole raft of ways in which we can um, identify symptoms around around um, mental health but equally people might access therapy just because they've got a sense of not feeling okay or not feeling happy and and they might be finding that their lives of of become difficult in some way, which classically or more often than not will mean that they struggle with participating in society, participating in work, they may start to find struggles within their relationships. So really, you know, if somebody is experiencing something that drives them to get therapy, there is a good chance that, that socially they won't be, you know, able to fully participate. What's the kind of language that they use when they come to see you? Because obviously yeah. we've used terms there which you would be able to identify that. But yeah. is it like, I just don't feel right, something's wrong, I don't yeah. know what it is. What level of education do people have on therapy at the point in which they come to see you? Yeah, and I think this is a really interesting question because it is, it, there can be quite a lot of connotations that come with therapy and counselling. And, and for some people that thought of, there's something really wrong with me. It can be really frightening and a barrier in itself to getting therapy. And I think hopefully... You know, therapy has become more, it or is becoming more normal as we start to talk about people struggling a bit more with the mental health. But yeah, the, the sort of lingo that might go with therapy might really put somebody off. And I think often when we're experiencing distress or depression or anxiety, we lose the language or we might just not know because we'll have a sense of just not feeling right or feeling well. So it can be very difficult for somebody to convey that, which is one of the skills I guess of the therapist or counsellor is to help the individual put words around that or even if you can't put words around it identify what that feels like for a person or what that might look like so that's one of the main things when somebody comes through the door what's got you here and it might be yeah I just do not feel right I'm really scared I'm really you know unsure of what is happening to me mm-hmm. yeah. so Space to Be Heard has, has fairly recently launched in its current identity um, do you want to tell us a little bit about what it is and why it is? What's the driving force behind this? So, basically, for space to be heard, we have had other services that have been there and evolving for quite some time. We've had a team of therapists that have been 
counselling and therapying people and we'd got to the point where basically the demand was increasing we needed some stability we needed some firm foundations to be able to grow to provide the service we've had a vision that we know that there is so much need out there and basically with where we were at and what we were doing we knew that wasn't going to be enough moving forward so we are therapists that have all trained together um, over the last few years have started working together and basically we thought how can we take this forward um, so creating a community interest company felt like the right thing for us to do that keeps our whole ethos at, at our heart in basically providing a good service for people a service that people are wanting and and it enables us to keep our ethos and be in charge of what we do how we do it and to grow and to develop as we move forward now in order to do that successfully you need the cooperation of lots of other partners in mm. that as well but coming back to this core of we I think it's interesting with an organisation, it's like we and this is what our ethos. What, what's brought that together then and, and I suppose what's held it together do you think? So initially we, we have all trained in transactional analysis at the Ellesmere Centre in Hull. So that has its own ethos of its own um, which we all share and, and I guess because basically we, we've all been working and working and working, seeing our clients and wanting to do more, do better, improve, and we've all had a, ve- a vision, a shared vision that it's how do we do this, you know, and and the the Elsmere Centre has been fantastic for us in supporting us, in helping to take us forward, in um, I suppose giving us a clear pathway really in in how we can do this, yet allowing us to do it on our own as well. Yeah. So you've mentioned transactional analysis there. Can you just tell us a little bit about that, please? So transactional analysis, in a nutshell, you know, because it's there's there's so much to it. Its main main sort of core belief is is that I'm okay, you're okay. So what we believe as therapists is that everybody is born as an okay human being, and that everybody has the potential. Um, to change and their experience from that point of being born moving forward can sometimes make you feel not okay so we go back to that core of actually even though you're feeling not okay you there's something going on in your world that that's that's not not feeling good if we sort of hold that sort of core belief that I'm okay you're okay and because that relationship between the therapist and the client is just so important that is probably 60% of your work in recovery is in the relationship so we hold our clients with that unconditional regard regardless of what has happened to them in their life or what behaviors they may be displaying you know we hold that belief and we help the individual to change the stuff that they don't like going on in their world and the stuff that may have happened to them that that they can actually make decisions around. So, and building upon that, the, the core model of TA is based around the parent-adult-child. So it's that sort of idea that internally we've got a child ego state, um, an adult ego state and a parent. We've got a nurturing parent side to us and a critical parent side to us. We've got... Um, an adapted child and also a free child and at any given time will be 
behaving and acting and thinking and feeling from those different states through therapy what we aim to do is have us all you know working more from our adult ego state so much more here and now much more rational so when we work with our clients we'll be constantly thinking what ego state is our client in how can we help them to understand that how can we help them to change that and we've got lots of other theory that helps us sort of underpin that and and what we hope is that the client going through that journey will be able to understand themselves Mm. using that theory and making that change you know because we are all able and capable to make changes and that therapeutic relationship is about supporting that and creating a sort of secure and safe attachment and environment for somebody to do that in and TA there's sort of a bit of a it's a it's quite a small modality really in comparison to say the CBT and mm. um, that's available so are there any actual fundamental differences between um, CBT and TA yeah they I think um, it's fair to say that the end goal is the same I guess with any type of therapy it's just, just that, okayness yeah, yeah yeah just feeling okay feeling mm. well feeling happier that's often what a client will say when they first sit down I just want to feel happy because in transactional analysis a, a core part of what we do is we we put together a contract with mm. our clients and um, which outlines what what they want to achieve really and at first it's I just want to be happy and and of course you know that that's really part of it but we try and break that down a bit more to what that actually looks like. Um, what Where the difference is, is we'll go around, a, take a slightly different route than, say, CBT would. I think it's fair to say that CBT follows a much more structured pathway than perhaps TA would. TA, um, or my, the way I practice TA, tends to be much more sort of evolving and organic and much more what happens in that session happens whereas CBT it might be that you would get homework after a session and come back and work on that particular piece of work but both types of therapy and probably all types of therapy will be around you know how to activate change in a person how to help reassure them and and help them find you know a way through that themselves so we kind of support the individual in making the decision changing for themselves you know and it's cbt and ta they'll have totally different languages but we would be able to like pick a piece of theory and compare it to the other bit in cbt and so actually we're trying to do the same thing here it's just we we do it in a slightly different way and important for the clients as well because they might find that cbt might work better for them than ta and vice versa because it will feel different and the experience will be different so I think that's one of the key things as well is that one of our um, core beliefs is about the client having that autonomy to make whatever changes they want to make. So one of the, the key things really that people do often say is, how can you help me? What can you change for me? Um, you know, what, how are you going to fix me? Um, and certainly the way I practice is it's not about me fixing you. It's about you finding a way and, you know, we... We, I will support you and facilitate you in, in doing that. And quite often in TAs, we will go back and look at an individual with them, at their history um, from basically what their world was like from when they were born, even before they were born, rather than so much the here and now. We do do that. And other therapists focus a lot on the here and now because some individuals, that's all they want to do is to, they don't want to go back and look at stuff 
they, they want to deal with an issue that they've got now and find a way of thinking about it differently or coping with it in a different way. Whereas the way I like to think about it is um, with TA we can use that to really go back to some, some root and core issues and, and explore those and help somebody to gain a different perspective about a previous experience or a relationship or what their world was actually like for in the here and now how it may be impacting them now because it's an old thought and belief and experience that they're more or less reliving we can help them to look at it how it was back then and then using their adult ego state to look at it now with almost a different set of eyes and think actually yeah it is different for me now and I can look at this differently and, and work with it differently mm. this is is on the fringes of blowing my mind this and I'm one of those people I've I've never had therapy and I imagine I was going to ask you about barriers really and I I imagine I'm quite a classic case of the people who's I'm a bit frightened of my own mind in a sense because what's who knows what's in there until we start unpicking it but for somebody who's feeling okay how do I know if I need therapy and if I would benefit from that I guess it's very individual because you know, there's there's lots of um, times when people think, I don't need therapy, I'm okay, when maybe they're not. Mm. So I guess it's... So, it's so, sorry to interrupt, but how would, how would one know that you weren't okay? Because I, well, the mind's a, a, a complex thing, mm. and I may be going through my life thinking, I'm okay, I've got a smile mm. on my face, mm. I'm, quite, I'm quite cheerful. And I know that when I meet other people, if I am having a, a, a bad time, their reaction is generally... Oh, I've never seen it like this before, John. Of course, not. and I'm just like, well, I've been feeling like this for ages. You must have noticed, yeah. but they haven't because that's not something I'm projecting externally. Yeah. So, how would how would one know um, that you you need you can need some support on that, or as someone like myself would be, I'll just deal with it, and then I do. I'm, I'm quite a, a winter personality who will just keep plowing through things. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I guess it. Everybody operates in different ways. Um, and for some people it will be quite extreme in that they're, they're just not able to do their day-to-day stuff, mm. their relationships are struggling, they are just finding it's really hard and they just know something's not right. There will be other people that just carry on regardless, forward thinking, I'm not going to think about a past experience, I'll just get on with it. So I think it's just a really individual choice, um, somebody either wants to go into therapy and wants to explore stuff and make some change or you know their personal choices actually no I don't want to I know there may be stuff there or actually there might not be but it's not something I need so I think I just think it is a really individual choice and you know we we do have people that come to see us whether that's through referrals from other pathways or they've got friends or family telling them you need therapy you need to go and talk to somebody and they'll come and early on or even after quite a lot of sessions the therapist will get a sense almost of don't really feel like I'm getting anywhere what is this about and we're always curious we'll always interested and explore even when somebody's sat there saying I don't know I don't know and there's nothing wrong or, or whatever for us there's always something to talk about and explore but I guess we get a sense as well of sometimes people just aren't ready and they can only make changes if they want to and when they want to as well so it is a very very unique experience I think 
What are therapists like? What are the traits of being a therapist? Is it gives a fascination with other people? Well, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I guess, you know, where we did our training at the Ellesmere Centre, you know, you get a group of, say, 10 people starting each year. And, and if you do the full training, it's four years. Um, and when you start, you might have a completely different reason or, or belief about why you're doing it to what you have at the end. So I guess, they're, they're, I mean, is it a bit simple to say that hopefully we're all quite empathic human beings and interested in helping, in inverted commas, other people? You know, a lot of us have, have got backgrounds in different work, which is about helping people. So I guess, you know... There is that that as a kind of obvious reason for wanting to do this. Um, I've heard quite a lot that that at some point in your life you'll have either, you know, experienced struggles within your family around mental health or yourself, so you've got a particular interest in why this happens to people. You might want to become a therapist to help yourself. There's often a lot of reasons altogether. Again, to, to add on to what Laura's already said, um, I think there's a degree of personal development in there, why, why therapists become therapists. Again, sometimes it might be because they've been through therapy themselves and actually get a little bit hooked on it and think, do you know what, I'd really like to, to work in this. I think sometimes it could be because they want to make life changes themselves or their own experiences that they've had. So on top of having that empathy, that interest in people, um, wanting to have a vocation and not just a job. I think our all contributors to, to doing it. Um, but I think it, it certainly is definitely more a vocation, a way of life. It's your beliefs. All rolled into one, as well as having a fascination and interest in people wanting to, I suppose, play your part in, in, in the, the communities and, and the world, really. So. I think there are lots and lots of different reasons why people choose this vocation and and again it's I mean I'm um, quite I, I do believe in fate and I think for me personally I think it found me rather than me going looking for it and I've spoke to a lot of people that have said that you know just it happened. Mm. I think from a in very simple terms from that career journey mm. of that it may take you time but when you find that thing that you enjoy doing that you passionate about um, that you can make a living doing mm. but crucially helps other people if you can find that sweet spot of yeah. all of those mm. things as well that is where it's like it's aligned and if you can find a community of people around mm. that which, you, which yeah. you've done yeah. um, wow I mean yeah. that's it and I like to think we've done a similar thing with Eskimo Soup as well and we could do any form of marketing there are easier ways to make a living yeah. um, but that actually feeling like we're making that positive difference yeah. just is that there's just something special about it, I yeah. suppose, and I get that sense from your organisation. Yeah. Um, which brings me into the other thing I was going to, going to ask you about, because in addition to um, your being, being therapists and um, having your mission and your vision and your values and so on, you've, you're business people now. Mm. It's as a community interest company, so as managing director and as mm. um, director of business development, you've got to have that side of things switched mm-hmm. on. So how, how does it work then as, in, from a... a I suppose keeping the um, keeping the lights on and keeping yeah. that going, and how how's that going, and what kind of relationships is uh, is that dependent on to um, to maintain the um, I suppose yeah that the business side of it. Well, yeah, it's it, and this is the bit you know we've sort of mentioned about how we've evolved really out of something else. So um, all of us that that are involved in space to be heard did something before we retrained as therapists. Um, so we all bring like 
something different to the table. I used to work um, in a construction training company um, on operations director. So I'm very used to working with funding and contracts and um, working in partnership with other organisations to deliver deliver our objectives. Hayley, you were in the fire service. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so my, my background is, well, a lot of it is around helping people. It's around um, working in a big organisation, working, I suppose, in local government, um, that corporate element. Been in the fire service 30 years, so I've done a lot of different roles in that service. So I've got a lot of experience to bring, um, working with people, managing people, and, and I guess that's seeing opportunities and, and working with those and, and the risk attached to that as well. Mm. So that, that's what I tend to bring forward. Mm, we have another colleague called Mike Hostick. He um, is more on that side of things with us, so the what we'd say more the business operational sort of side of things. And then we've got three other co-directors um, who are more clinical focused, so a social worker that worked in, in secondary mental health, somebody that um, has worked with chronic fatigue um, intensely for the last 10 years down in London. She's um, changed her sort of career and role to be focused on space to be heard. And Cathy, who is the managing director of the Ellesmere Centre, is a non-exec director on space to be heard. So she has been fully trained in TA for 30 plus years. Um, she's been a psychotherapist for a very long time. So that sort of clinical, we've got a really nice balance of the clinical focus and and the business and and driving it forward and both supports each other so so I guess how how we started to form as a sort of smaller group really because obviously there's lots of people that go through the Asmere Centre but not everybody's doing this Hayley um you started to um volunteer on the valued minds service which was grown out of the Ellesmere Centre yeah Yeah, so the valued minds service is um it's it well it's a really special service for me it's been running a long time um and and basically our whole aim is around providing almost private therapy um to at low cost to people on a low income to make it more accessible um, and again, because we've been running for, for quite a few years, we started off with just a small number of clients, regular clients, and a small team of therapists that volunteer their time um, to, to help people. And over the years, as the demand has increased, our client base has increased, and, and we got to a point where really we were managing a much bigger service with a bigger team of therapists, and we wanted to be able to sustain it along with that comes the clinical experience that we've gained in in doing that and and not wanting to almost implode I think because we'd grown so much and we couldn't manage it so valued minds was was I think one of the the key things around um space to be heard being formed in that we need something to sustain this and the opportunities that that we've picked up as well along the way Mm. which Laurie you're more involved with Mm. those aren't you Mm. yeah so towards the end of my training um there was the opportunity for the Ellesmere Centre to become a provider for the Let's Talk service in Hull, which is um, an NHS-commissioned um, anxiety and depression service. So back in 2016, um, I worked with Cathy on the bid um, to become an approved provider for that service. So we've been delivering that for um, three years now. And it that in itself increased and changed the face of the Ellesmere Centre 
And the ESME Centre was and is primarily a training organisation, which was another driver for us taking the Let's Talk service part of our business out of the ESME Centre and into um, space to be heard. So I did the bid for that and managed that contract um, for that time. And, and I guess that's how my role developed initially out of, of the Ellesmere Centre and into, into space to be heard now. Yeah. And then so it works then with a, a mixture of so private clients, um, commission services yeah. and so on. Yeah, mm-hmm. which is, it sounds, yeah, sounds like it's, um, you've got all of those component parts t- together. So this podcast has been released early 2020. Mm-hmm. What's on the horizon then for space to be heard? What should we be looking out for? Okay, so what we want to do is develop our existing services. So, so something that Haley said, which is really key, is we want to make valued minds and that voluntary part of, of space to be heard more sustainable. So part of that is um, working on, on increasing our commission services, which does enable us, because the, the nature of the community interest company is that we are non-profit making, so any income that we do make from our commission services and private income will be ploughed back into, into um, that part of the business. So... It, it's been interesting over the past year whilst we've been setting up space to be heard because we've been continuing to deliver services while setting up a new business so so it's about now we're, we're formed and and all the foundations are there so we want to increase what we've already been offering so we are in talks to increase our commissioned portfolio and um, we are also developing which is really exciting remind as part of the space to be heard business so remind is headed up by um Gemma wardell who i mentioned her earlier she she um has her background is is specializing in particularly um chronic fatigue and fibromyalgia so medically unexplained symptoms which have got an inherent link to something going on with our mental health it's a big area of that's a bit sort of undiscovered and complex and and we found that was one of our sort of areas that we wanted to develop really because this space to be heard is about accessibility and making good quality and therapy available to people that are marginalised or not able to, for whatever reasons, access it, either through financial reasons or health reasons. Um, so we're focusing on, on that at the moment and we've we've got um, some pilot groups and one-to-one therapy going on at the moment at, at our centres. So we'll be looking for other funding streams to to procure and, and support that as well. Well, we're also looking into... Um the, the more diverse communities that we've got around us. Um, we've got several Polish-speaking therapists that have trained with us or are in training that have got a real interest in, in setting a service up um, to to make it more accessible for, for people that are not necessarily originally from within our community that now find themselves here and are struggling and, and want that help. So... I think it's fair to say that we are open to whatever our communities are wanting and that's really important for us to to get our word out there to invite people to say do you know this is something we're struggling with we'd really like to see a service such as um and give us the opportunity to think how can we do this and i think that's that's it Haley. i've met you before this what struck me was why i believe you'd be successful because it's about meeting those unmet needs yeah. really and and because within your sector, 
partnership, collaboration is so important, mm. um, and but people can get territorial, mm. but because of your ethos has been around that, if, if you say, well, this, the, the cultural diet makeup of our city is changing, for example, mm. um, are the way that our services are shaped and delivered ready for that, and you've got that agility as a small and growing organisation to be able to do that, whereas large commissioners, it's, mm. they've got processes mm. and things, yeah. and it's, it's just... It's just harder for them to do it, mm. which I can see why that's been so yeah. appealing to people. Yeah, and I think this is one of the good things in working with, in partnership with the Ellesmere Centre, is we have a continual flow of students that need to do research projects, that need to um, obtain so many clinical hours for their qualification. So we have a continuing flow of people that are really willing and want to volunteer to help us, um, basically to, to try new things without that how much is it going to cost us to do this and can we can we do this you know so that is really important to us as well mm-hmm. okay final thing from me then is anybody listening to this who is interested in therapy or becoming a therapist just get involved in somewhere how, how could they get in touch so i guess if they go to our um website which is www.spacetobehead.org um, and they will find all our contact details on there. They can give us a call, um, 01482705023. Yeah, we'll put all of this, the web yeah. links, phone number in the show notes. Yeah, so just to make contact with us, really, and, and have that discussion. So we're really open to that. Excellent. Okay. Well, Laura, Haley, thank you ever so much for, for your time. Uh, I, for one, have learnt a lot, um, and I, I hope that the uh, the listeners have too. So thank you for uh, for joining us on the Socially Good podcast. Yeah, thank, you. thank you. Thank you.